Welcome to the Early Motherhood Guide podcast. Are you a new mom feeling overwhelmed and don't know where to start? Then this podcast is for you. Hey mamas, I'm Lacey Reason here for your breastfeeding season. If you're like most moms, the transition into motherhood can be a little overwhelming. In this podcast, I will give you tools and advice as a lactation counselor, as well as interviewing experts to help make early motherhood a little less daunting. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and let me help guide you through these early days of motherhood. I am Lacey, your lactation counselor, and you guys are listening to the Early Motherhood Guide podcast. So today I have the opportunity to speak with Eva. Hello. All right, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, thanks. Uh so my name's Eva. I am the founder of Eva Z Wellness. I'm a nurse who is now a mind-body specialist. So I'm a nurse as well as a yoga therapist. Uh, I've been a nurse for about 17 years. And 10 of those years, I was an ICU nurse and also charge nurse while I was ICU nurse. So that meant that I responded to a lot of different events throughout the hospital. That sounds incredibly giving and stressful but we appreciate it so um then let's go right into so mothers and births so I have had one hospital birth and I think it can be incredibly hard um speaking your wishes when you're in the middle of labor right and so um we all have this birth plan and I like to express them as wishes because things don't always go as planned so I'd love to know, how can we as mothers in labor do a better job of vocalizing our birth wishes? One is remembering that um, your safety as well as baby safety is always, that is at the forefront of what everybody is focused on. Um, but also having that relationship with your um, OB-GYN and your nurses that you're letting them know exactly what it is that you're envisioning. Um, but with that, having a little bit of that flexibility to let, if life happens, then it's, um, everybody's focused on safety and having the best relationship. But I think a lot of that has to do with choosing the right environment. I mean, sometimes we can't um, we can't control the circumstances, but we can express our views and being kind and compassionate to the medicals um, to the medical staff, but also for them too, is having them be a little more kind and compassionate uh, with the stress of the events. Um, and with that, um, that's just in being very, very clear and communicating exactly what it is that you're hoping the event looks like and feels like. And, um, you know, letting them know that there's, there's, there's that give and take that everybody's part of the situation and not just there's only one way this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny with my first and, you know, having it in a hospital, 
I envisioned this like beautiful, I wanted to do hypnobirthing. And so I had my hypnobirthing tracks going. And of course you're first, it's intense, right? And so I'm um, in the middle of a contraction as a nurse comes in and I just, just completely cussed like in the middle of a contraction. And she's like, she hears the um, track and she's like, oh, you're hypnobirthing. And my husband just thought it was hilarious, you know, because, and I have these like, fake candles lit and everything trying to set this mood and it was so funny because it was like at that point I was like none of this is working like I am not calm <laughs> this is... so um yeah, it's funny how you have like this idea of how you want it to go and yet that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go that way right um whether that's internal or external factors like you know there's always so many things but with your first it can be pretty intense if you're not <laughs> ready for it but I loved having a birth plan but also like being aware of like what to ask for, right? So is there anything that is like absolute, like you as a nurse, you would always want to know, is there something like very specific that you, you like look for in a birth plan if they have written it? Do you, uh, do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and some of the things are, you know, um, being as vocal and upfront as you can about everything, you know, um, if there's any allergies, if there's any, any particular methods of soothing that you've been, that you've been using, um, anything that, uh, is it really important to you? Just being clear that these are the, these are the things that work well for me and how can we bring that bring this into the environment in in a safe way mm -hmm. um so if there's music that you like to play or if there's you know yeah essential oils just being mindful that um if they if that medical person isn't educated on those particular things then just offering, you know, hey, are you aware of how helpful this is? And would you mind being part of this? And usually, usually everybody's just, you know, absolutely, let's, yeah. let's, let's try it. Let's see what works. Um, and in the end, you know, this is, this is your experience and it should you know, theoretically, it should go exactly the way that you would like it to. But we know <laughs> there's some situations that we just don't have control over. And yeah. when that happens, having that grace and compassion and kindness, not just for everybody around you, but for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, obviously, the nurses are there to support you. And everybody wants a nice, healthy baby in the end, you know, but being able to communicate like, this is the way I would like the experience to go, I think is extremely crucial of setting up those expectations for everyone, right? So um, with that, um, how do you, relaxing during birth, right? So you have experience in both on being mindful and in nursing, but um, how do you recommend to help being more mindful and relaxing your breathing, just, just being more relaxed during birth, because that obviously helps tremendously having labor pro progress. Yes, absolutely. And the best recommendation that I would have would be to start practicing that now. Don't wait until the labor process has started, but instead 
bringing these components into into your life now and it can be something something as simple as just breathing and focusing more on the exhale um, when we exhale it's a signal to our body for the muscles to soften and relax um, and a lot of the times when we're anxious keyed up in pain we have a tendency to hold really tight and we hold our breath and that's the opposite of what we're wanting to do because we're wanting to let go and we're wanting the process to be uh, more relaxed. So having that, uh, that practice already there and then again, having these habits of things that you do in your daily life that you know work for you so if there's a particular type of music that you listen to that's really calming for you have that there um there's uh specific items like a blanket or um a pillow or something that just instantly brings relaxation to you have that there with you um whatever the different uh things that you do in your daily life that can help you with relaxation. If you're practicing them regularly, then when you get to that situation, you're going to have that muscle memory that will, even though your mind and you, it may be racing and you're thinking, oh my God, how could I possibly relax during this situation? Because, you know, I've got the watermelon coming out of <laughs> the, the space that doesn't normally fit a watermelon um that muscle memory can kind of help bring you back into that into that mode of relaxation where you're using the physiology of the body to work on calming the body but it will also in turn work on on the mind as well yeah i was there's something about um breathing and like doing that slower breath that actually physically does something to your body of slowing everything down, which is pretty cool. It is challenging. And yes, I would absolutely recommend practicing <laughs> beforehand, you know, um, with my first, I did practice quite a bit and then I practiced less and less with my last two, but that doesn't mean I, I should, I should with every birth practice more and more and being more mind or being more prepared, I think is a key, right? Um, and so when you're at the hospital, so I try to always show my appreciation to the nurses or the midwife, um, how like I, this last time it was, I was so busy, but I did bring like Oreo cookies, right. <laughs> or something, just anything for them to snack on. But how would you recommend to show their appreciation? So like, sometimes I'll write cards depending on how busy in life I am, but is there something that nurses just always appreciated more than others? Oh my gosh. Um, there are so many different ways to show appreciation to nurses. And one of the biggest things is just simply a thank you. Um, it's, um, you know, having worked as an ICU nurse for so long, and I've been in the hospital system for, for 20 years. Um, so I've gotten a lot of weird comments and the thank yous, um, uh, are always, always appreciated. Um, but also things like little, little baskets of 
granola bars, chocolates, uh, you know, honestly, anything that can be picked up and eaten on the go (laughs) is always appreciated. Uh, There's, there's just little things have lots of meaning. Um, Just that, uh, that sense of appreciation is is always it, that part goes a long way yeah my um my first birth my sweet mother went to like Nordstrom's and got like these decadent cookies from like their cafe and gave them to the nurses after which was so sweet and then of course by my third I'm like here's some Oreos <laughs> so I'll have to work on that and you know it's um there, there's no gift that's too small honestly it's the it's the sentiment behind it that is incredibly appreciated okay good (laughs) something that um yeah it's good to be prepared and have something that is um not needing to be refrigerated and then a little thank you note is always I always like to do so yeah anything that can be picked up and you can walk away and still be eating it those are golden good to know yeah because sometimes you don't you're not the nicest when you're in labor and so if my physical yeah. words aren't kind, at least my chocolate is. <laughs> oh yes, I've got some. I've got some really um, colorful descriptions of things that people have had said to me in different at different times in their their illness cycle. Um, and the thing is, is we always understand that when somebody is not well especially in birth um (laughs) what you're saying is not the person that you are right you have to have some really thick skin I'm sure yeah yeah absolutely that's that's you know you you just understand that that's that's not who that person is at that moment (laughs) yeah that's anger leaving the body that's you know pain leaving the body yeah very true I um with my first it was really intense and I was transitioning and I remember the nurse being like, she's only a six. Like, and I wanted to kill this lady, like, because I was literally going from a six to a 10 in minutes. Like it was the most intense minutes of my life. And for her to just be like, Oh, she's only six. Like, they're like, she's got a long way to go. And I was like, I'm going to kill all of you. And this baby's going to fall out. <laughs> so it worked out. And yes, like I, I, un- tried to undo all of what I said, but a very interesting experience. So um, with that, how can we be better prepared for a hospital birth? Having the things that are important to you, having, having that, having those items Mm -hmm. already prepared, um, taking a tour of the hospital. Most places will offer a tour either virtually or in person and making that, uh, making that a priority, uh, so that you already have a, an idea of what the space is going to look like for you. You have ideas of things that you can bring, um, snacks for, um, dad, because, you know, the, the staff will bring all kinds of snacks for mom, but they don't necessarily always have stuff there for dad. Um, you know, pillows, blankets, different things that are going to make you feel cozy and comfortable and make you feel safe and 
a cure, those items are really important. Uh, and then just having that grace and compassion for yourself that if, again, you know, if things don't go a hundred percent the way you're expecting them to, and for moms that have never had a baby, I think that happens a little bit more um, because by the time you have, you know, baby number two, you kind of understand you've been through the, the whole process, but understanding that every birth is completely different, whether it's your first birth or your fifth birth, every birth is very different. It's a unique experience. And being being in that experience, be mindful in that experience to take the time to be kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to your partner and um, just that communication between yourself and the nursing staff as well, too. Um, There's so, so much there, like the <clears throat> be prepared for um, your husband, right? So or your partner, whoever's there to be there for you. Um, no one thinks about that person. <laughs> they are in it just as long as you are, right? Um, that is huge and something that usually they have, um, at the birth center, they have you bring a meal for yourself afterwards as well. And you can't leave until you have that meal. And so same for the poor husband, right? It's like, I should have a meal there for him because he's probably starving just as much. Um, and then to be prepared and like going through the hospital and knowing where you're going to be dropped off and where you're going to get checked in and where the rooms are and like what room could you possibly so you can start visualizing how do I want this birth to go right because it's so much easier to visualize the birth if you at least have a room to focus on right there's not so many unknowns you've seen the faces of the nurses you've had a tour of the hospital you know I mean it's the weirdest thing when your husband drops you off and you're like alone <laughs> where do I go now you know while they go park the car and you're like and they don't even want like I'm not supposed to leave you right so it's it's good to have that walkthrough right and, and for both yeah, yeah both for yourself and for your partner because they're trying to be supportive but they're yeah. also in their own sense of unknown and um yeah. you know having that the more things that you can learn and understand prior mm -hmm. to will help you feel more secure and more safe and um, yeah, hopefully make the experience. I mean, the experience should be amazing and beautiful. It's yeah. such a phenomenal experience, um, even, you know, regardless of the way the process of it you know yeah. for some for some it's not a magical experience and and I say that now you know my 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 birth with my son was 30 years ago so there's that time in there where I do remember I was not thinking it was a magical experience at the time that I was having it that I was just like give me all the meds <laughs> now um and so, you know, when I walked in, I had every intention of, oh, no, no meds. I'll be fine. It'll be good. I'll be okay. Um, and then once once we got into the transition the phase, I was just like, no, no, I lied. 
<laughs> yeah. And I think that's, um, and also being prepared for your expectations and giving yourself grace because, um, when the first, if you have an, if you have the idea and the desire to go natural, giving yourself grace. And I, I gave myself limits. And so I was like, I'm okay. If I decide to have an epidural, if this happens. And so for me, it was, if I ended up needing Pitocin, I don't think I could naturally handle that. And if I go more than 24 hours, funny thing now I've gone through three labors, no way could I make it 24 hours naturally. <laughs> There's just no way. So that was, but that was my um, plan to give myself grace already. I was prepared to be okay with not hitting my goal of going to natural birth if things didn't go as planned. And I was very grateful that those things did go as planned. Um, and so in the end, I was just so, ex I was ecstatic, you know, on the birth high, but <clears throat> it is important because things really don't go as planned. And so it is not the end of the world. If you decide to have an epidural, you know, I see a lot of moms when they do get that epidural, all of a sudden they're able to transition right after that, right? Because they're now able to relax where if you're like holding on for dear life, like fighting it and you're just been at a certain like diameter or whatever, was it centimeter? <laughs> centimeters. If you have been at that um, and you're not making any progress and just having an epidural will allow you and your body to um, progress that's amazing, you know, and it is so good to be prepared on whatever route, but to give yourself grace because there's a lot of unknowns, right? So that is yes. great. Yeah. yeah. And then that's just, it. there's so many unknowns and being able to be kind. Yeah. Give yourself grace, be kind to yourself, the understanding of the fact that, you know, the experience itself is in terms of what your body is going through it's it's a lot to pro it's a lot to go through and the more that you can be kind to yourself and it's okay to take assistance when needed um and then you know when you look back on it still you know yeah it we always have this idea of what we would like it to look like and being able to look back on it and just you know say it would have been great had it gone the way I had wanted to, but it didn't. So now how do we, how do I move forward? And there may be that time period in between where you need to, you know, process whether it's with your therapist or, you know, you know, however, how, whoever, whatever mental health professional or, you know, how your best friend, however that happens, you know, process that and let, letting go of that so that you can enjoy the time, your time with baby. Yeah. And there is such a, like, um, there can be a grievance process, right? With your birth, if it doesn't go according to plan um, very easily, and it can be traumatizing, you know, like at the end of my first, I really felt like kind of feel traumatized, <laughs> you know, and it is, it's a thing to process, you know, um, even though things went so well. Um, it is still an intense experience that's unlike anything else and it's transform transformational, right? So to give yourself grace and then that time to process it, whether you are talking to someone professionally or a friend, which is why I love watching birth stories. I think that is therapeutic in itself, right? Yes, absolutely. And 
that community aspect helps you to know that it's not just you. You're not the only one that had, um, had that went through a process that looked different than what you anticipated, or you know that you have a certain level of expectation and um, that wasn't met. And just like you said, there there may need to be a grieving process for that. But then, how do you how do you move forward with how where you are with with baby and to be able to enjoy that experience and yeah. all of that is just giving yourself that grace and that compassion yeah so there's so many ways I think you could do a whole episode on just being prepared in birth in so many different aspects right um and so here's one that I really wanted um so I gave birth to my last baby just before COVID started, which I'm extremely grateful for. But if someone has birthed before COVID and now they're going to give birth again after, is there any expectations that they should have? Is it going to be different in any way moving forward um, that could be different than it was before? Because the world has changed. Absolutely. And it just depends on where, what facility mm-hmm. you are to because a lot of different facilities we're all still in this process of we've never experienced this before so you know we're still on the end of a pandemic we're coming out of it and there's sometimes where hospitals have to become tighter in their restrictions and times when they can be more open um and it's just Again, it's that level of communication, asking questions. What are the things that we can do? What are the things that we can't do? Uh, you know, visitors are are not being restricted in most places any longer, um, but there are still areas where they're asking they're asking for COVID tests. They're asking you know for different things, and it's just being mindful of that and. You know, what's the current state in the environment in the area where you are? Um, because depending on caseloads, uh, that may not affect directly the area where you're giving birth, but it is going to affect the staffing of the hospital in terms of um, what are the things that are available. And again, this is this is just an unprecedented time and having that grace and compassion for yourself, but also for the staff, because a lot of the medical field right now is just exhausted. They're, they're being, they're being stretched in a lot of different ways. And, you know, for some folks, they're able to handle it well. And for others, um, they're healing too. Yeah. That's true. And so are you thinking, um, would you expect less staff on like a more locked down time? Would that be more longer wait time if you're like needing some assistance? It all depends on the area of where you are um, because there, there are areas with, um, there are areas with staffing issues depending on what the capacity of the hospital is and how many uh how many how many patients what the what the census is of the hospital at that time uh, if they're 
if they have a lot of units that are at full capacity, that makes staffing an issue. And staffing is always an issue. That's something that hasn't changed in decades of, 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 of medicine. So that's always a concern. And typically we're able to navigate that well and some places do better than others. So this is where having more information about the area where you live and the area where you're going to be um, using the facilities is really important. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it can be so different, right? So um, I, where I live, it's definitely been more structure lockdowns. And um, the, somebody I interviewed last time was they gave birth on the day the lockdown started in COVID, which like what an experience, but she had a home birth. So it didn't really, they were like, oh, isn't this interesting? And it didn't really affect who was there yet because she said it was great because it was so new. No one really knew how to implement it yet. It was really interesting, but um, yeah, you really have no idea. And so it's, I think another reason to be more prepared and asking those questions where you planning to give birth because there are a lot of unknowns and things change in the future so rapidly now. So um, yeah, I think it could be huge difference than it was before. You know, I was so grateful that I was able to have a doula and a birth photographer and my husband, which flew out of the country for the birth. And if that was a few months later, it that would not have happened, you know? So um, yeah. hopefully moving forward though, I believe, and she also... Um, had a doula business and so you imagine like are you going to be able to have a doula there that is something I do believe they're allowing those now right that's good yeah and a lot of hospitals are incorporating doulas more and because we've had these situations with COVID I think some places are becoming a little more uh receptive to multiple roles within the birthing process. And I would love to see this happening more in, in healthcare where we're expanding the options that are available to people and having, having lots of different environments and scenarios because birth um, home births are just an absolutely fantastic experience. They are just amazing. I was able to assist a dear friend of mine in her home birth, um, not as a nurse, just purely as a as a support person. And um, she had a midwife and a doula there, and they were amazing. Uh, and for some people, that is that's exactly what they want. And other people are just like, nope, forget it. Give me the Pitocin and the epidural and I am good to go. And that's the thing is everybody's experience should be as close to what it is that they're wanting. Mm -hmm. And you know, how do we, how do we provide that environment that supports everybody? Yeah, um, for sure. And like some people are just going to want more support just in case. Right. So with my first, there was a lot of meconium in the amniotic fluid. And so they were able to have that stuff come right down when needed, which was great. But um, if you want a more intimate birth where it's like, I just want my midwife, maybe a doula, and that is it. That is, you know, a different option. There's so many options. And so if you're wanting more, yeah, I love the option uh, post COVID home births, I think are awesome. If that is your desire, you know, so um, you were saying that you had some experience in the neonatal care. What 
is to be expected. I have been very fortunate to not have that experience, but what would a mama expect in that, in a, in a case that they had to go to neonatal? And every neonatal intensive care unit is different. Um, and when I worked in the in the NICU, I was working there as a phlebotomist and not as a nurse. Uh, but it was it was such a phenomenal environment to work in, and I absolutely loved my time there. Um, neonatal nurses are a very special breed because they become they become part of the family. They become that extension of the family that they are very protective of those children and they they go to bat for them right from the get-go. Um, and so there are a lot more restrictions in terms of who can go into the unit. Um, you know, if you even potentially feel like you may have the sniffles or the sneezes or anything along those lines, um, being vocal and, and, and just saying, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. And, you know, what can, how can I, how can I go in and be safe for myself as well as all of the children that are in that, in that space. Um, and just being understanding that everything that they are doing is so that that baby gets everything that they need to be able to grow up safe and strong. Yeah. Um, I never thought about that with the illness because after you give birth, you're sleep deprived, you've gone through so much, your immune system is down. So the odds of getting sick, you know, are high. I can always see we think around like six weeks is when mamas always get sick. You know, it's around the six week mark where they always get, cause they're just so tired. Um, and obviously, yeah, communicating that with the staff beforehand, does that mean that they would have to come, would they have to space out their visit or does that mean that they're going to have to pump to bring over breast milk or are they having to like stay away until they were better? How would that experience it Go. all depends on what the illness is what is what's going on and just the more you communicate with them and let them know uh, the more the more they can offer like just like you were saying they can offer lots of different options in terms of because the other thing too is maybe what mom needs at that moment is that time to rest and recover because she has been through so much stress and so much um physical upheaval as well too that you know having having somebody there with baby um to watch while while she gets in a couple of hours of a nap whatever the situation is the more communication that happens the better yeah yeah I have a client that had three of her babies in in the NICU for an extended period of time and they're fourth they were able to take home right after the hospital and she said it was an entirely different experience um one thing was her other babies were on like a great schedule <laughs> and because it went at the NICU they have these like you're on a, a great routine and then her fourth was like just oh, she was like a new mom all of a sudden which is funny it's like an entirely different experience um which is fun to be a part of yeah and, and it's that was such a phenomenal experience and just the amount of time that the nurses spend that all of the staff spend with the babies um 
they're just they become they become really really um you know whether they become part of the become part of the lifelong um extension of the family or not they're always those memories are always there and there's always a lot of um emotion that's involved with that yeah I can't imagine like being there for some of them are there for quite an extended period of time and then um do anybody ever do they ever come back to visit and to like give them updates or cards Yes. And uh, several of the nurses that I worked with, um, they stayed in contact with with the parents for a long time. And I believe that there was even um, there were little reunions that they had periodically as well, too. And so, yeah, I got to tell you, as a nurse, being able to have somebody come back or or write a card um, and just say, because this was, you know, even as an ICU nurse, there's a lot of times where we didn't know what happened with the person did they they transferred out of the ICU did they did did they do well did they not do well what you know did they a lot of times it was because they didn't even remember but um if somebody came back and was just like hey guess what you know I'm all better now and those moments were just absolutely amazing I still every card that somebody gave me I still have all of those because they just they meant so much to me what a good idea. Yeah, that's a great tip to get a little update. I'm sure that would be very rewarding. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, those uh, happy memories carry you a lot. Yeah, I bet. Very needed. Okay, so I believe you have a course and a great boot camp or a challenge, right, for a little bit more of self-care. Can you tell me a bit more about it? Yeah, so... Uh, I have been combining all of the different experience and the different trainings that I've um, that I've utilized to help nurses specifically, but really anybody that has a lot of stress in their life uh, to be able to use the things that they have in their own life uh, to create self-care rituals that can help them either manage or prevent burnout because exhaustion and stress leave an imprint on us and it's not just a mental component but it's also a physical relationship so just as you were talking about how when moms get sick usually around week six that's usually about the time when their energy reserves are completely depleted and exhaustion and stress have caught up with them and that's the reason that they're getting sick is because they're, they're depleted. Yeah. And so anything that you can do to bring that back into your life and bring your body back towards balance will help you to stay healthy and to be more kind and compassionate, not just to yourself, but also to those around you as well. And I have a course that I'm, um, utilizing and working with nurses and anybody with high stress to do find ways to look specifically at their life and learn what it is that they need for themselves to get that mind body integration. And so that'll be happening. The class is a free event and that's happening January 9th through the 11th. And um, if anybody's interested, they can just message and I will send them the link to opt in for that. Yeah. What an amazing tool to have, you know, because 
it is such a trying time and you're constantly giving everything to everyone else. And even if your partner, like, how are you going? Usually if you are depleted, typically take it out on your partner or anyone around you, right? And so to have these tools to take care of yourself already instilled and not be touched out or just exhausted and just be able to enjoy those early days of motherhood would be very valuable, I think. Absolutely. And a lot of the difficult times can be made so much easier when we give ourselves that kindness and compassion to accept help, to not feel that we have to do everything 100% on our own, but to be able to, it, it sounds so silly, but just to be able to say, the dishes can sit in the sink, the clothes can sit in the, in the, on the washer for a day, uh, and instead, how can we have meaning with the moments that are happening right now? And to do so with all of that joy that comes from that, you know, even, even when you're sitting in that, that time period where, you know, baby has pooped through all of the clothes and the diapers and how can you take that moment and just go, this is going to be something that, you know, we're going to laugh at years from now, but how can we, how can we find the joy in this moment, even though we're up to our elbows in you know, whatever, whatever baby has projected out. Right. <laughs> I know. I think I take that advice too well because my laundry is always waiting to be folded. <laughs> like, yeah, it'll fold. It'll be folded eventually. Right. Yes. 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 Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming today and talking with me and preparing our mamas more for birth and taking care of their bodies and their nurses, which obviously so need it. Um, and thank you everyone for watching and listening. I will see you guys all next week on the Early Motherhood Guide podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Lacey, for all you do. Oh, thank you so much. All right. I will see you guys later. Bye. Thanks, Eva. Thank you for joining us on the Early Motherhood Guide podcast. Be sure to subscribe. And if you haven't already, click the link below to join my Boost Your Milk Supply Bootcamp. See you next week.